shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He is with us. The embracing power of Almighty God. What would we do? I remember the night I walked out of Miami Valley Hospital, my mother's body laying on the bed back in the room in ICU. And we all trailed out, left her there. And I walked across that bridge over to the garage, the parking garage, and I, I remember looking out and looking at that beautiful sun as it was setting. It was the evening. And I remembered thinking, what do people do without God? Because the only peace I had in that moment was that I was holding on to the anchor of the rock. And I was standing on that in that moment. We go through trials and troubles and situations. And I'm telling you, in every circumstance, no matter what it is, if you and I will remember that we are sheltered in the arms of God, so let the storm clouds rise. They won't worry me. Because I'm sheltered in the arms of God. Got you standing. I, I've got this thing just keeps coming undone. Don't like it. I wish they'd create a microphone that would just float in the air right there in front of you. Someday. I'm going to take you to 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. 14 verses of Scripture. It'll take us back to a time when the presence of God was different than it is now. When the presence of God led the children of Israel, they literally had to go to the presence of God. You know, you and I are lucky that you can call on the name of the Lord any hour of the day or night. And the old song says, He's as close as the mention of your name, of His name. How many of you have ever been in a situation where all you could do was call on His name? old song says, say the name of Jesus. To know that you can count on him to be there. I have found him to be there at times when no one else was there. No one else I could call. There was nobody else that had a clue. And in that hour, I could call on the Lord and he was right there with me. But you know, back in the, back in the Old Testament days, they depended on the presence of God by virtue of the Ark of the Covenant and then the temple, the tent, and the tabernacle, and they would follow after that. And then you remember that the presence of God would be manifested in ways. Moses found the presence of God manifested in a burning bush. Children of Israel found the presence of God tangible in a cloud by day and a fire by night. It used to be that you'd have to really seek after the presence of God, and you might even have to take a journey you and I tonight have got it so good because we can call on his name right now right now we call on your name right now Lord Jesus we call on your name we thank you Lord that we can depend on you you're a rock in a weary land a covert from the storm you're a refuge you're a high tower lord we thank you tonight i'm not looking to politicians to be my answer i'm not looking for the government i'm not looking for even the church administrations or denominations 
I'm looking for the presence of the Lord. The presence of God. In this church, you know what sets this church apart, I believe, from many churches that I've visited or many places where people go. I think what separates us a lot of times is because we work hard at setting up an atmosphere that where the presence of the Lord is here. I don't want to run a church service without the Holy Spirit being here. I don't want to be in the middle of anything that we're doing without the anointing of the Spirit on us and what we're doing. And that doesn't come just because you walk in. That comes because you have prepared yourselves. There's an atmosphere that's been set up for that. And I don't take that for granted. Do you? Amen. Listen to what the Word of God says and I'll let you sit down. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds with every leader. He called all of Israel together. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, if y'all are in agreement, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us. He said, and let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. That verse right there, I want to stop while I'm reading. David, obviously, David, you remember, as the deer pants for the water brook, so does my soul thirst after you, O God. David, who says, how, how amicable are thy tabernacles. I love your house. Even he looked at the birds that were up in the rafters of the tabernacle. And he said, oh, how special they've got it. What a great life they've got that they can rest in the tabernacle of the Lord. I've walked in here during the day. Sometimes I'll leave my office and I'll just walk down through here. And I've, I've come down at times when the sanctuary is completely empty and I just walk through this sanctuary and I get this sense, this overwhelming sense of how amazing and awesome it is. This is a sanctuary set aside for the presence of God. He said, we haven't since the days of Saul's reign, we have not inquired of the presence of God. We've not encountered the presence of God. He said, let us bring the ark of our God back to us. Then all the assembly said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shiwar to Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirjath Jerem. And David and all Israel went up to Bela to Kirjath Jerem, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God the Lord who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Now you already re recognize, if you know anything about Old Testament history, they're already in trouble. They're already in trouble. How many of you know we can't manipulate the presence of God you can't force that and make that something you want it to be. It's popular in this day and hour to kind of box up the presence of God in a new cart. I won't go any further. That's another message. 
But tonight, there's God's way of bringing his presence into this house. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might and with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they had come, and when they had came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Thought he was doing a good deed, a good thing. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David. He's afraid to go touch it, to go near it. But took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And listen, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. It's going to be some good stuff here tonight. You better listen close. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that your presence now would just speak through us, challenge us by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us move into a deep, deep place of understanding how desperately we need the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Doug, I'm going I'm to move. This is absolutely not working for me tonight. Let's just not worry about it. David, the great king of Israel, had a good, godly desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. He had this hunger and desire in him. We know his, his heart was right and what he wanted to do. You can get a picture of him as he's dancing before the ark. and He was made and went to a lot of trouble to create this new ark. But, you know, we've got to always remember that God, God doesn't want us to come up with our own worship. He doesn't want us to come up with our own way of doing things. He wants us to just love him and the authenticity and in the reality of his word and his, his character, who he really is. He doesn't want us creating new ways. And that was something that you understood. And you, you, you read the word and where it talks about the Levitical order and how God commanded that the Ark of the Covenant would be carried by the priests, the Levites. They were given instruction to care over the Ark of the Covenant forever. As long as that ark was anywhere, it needed to be cared for by the ones who had been assigned to it. How many of you know obedience is better than sacrifice? But it had not been since it, the ark had been stolen by the Philistines under the reign of Saul that they had even been anywhere near the ark of the presence. I understand their desire for it. I understand them wanting the ark, the presence of God, which it represented and contained through the elements there, the very presence and power of God. It says David in 1 Chronicles 13 and 5, it says, So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor and Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath. Can you see the crowd? He brought everyone together and then granted and laid it out before them as, Do you, will you, with me, make a decision 
that we're going to bring the presence of God back. That's akin to what I would feel like a pastor would do when he would call a solemn assembly. And he would say in this house tonight, do you want the presence of God? Do you want the power of God, the power that, that literally is able to transform and change lives? Or do you want to just play church? Do you want to just continue doing what we've always done? Or do you want the real deal, the authentic power of God? David was, was saying to them, I, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I, I don't want to do this in our own power. I'm telling you, how many of you know religion in your own power is very weak? doesn't get much accomplished and it sends out the wrong message to everybody else in the whole world. Most of the reason why the whole world is laughing at the church even now, why most all of America is laughing at the church is because the church for so long has tried to create its own cart for carrying the presence of God. And because we have created our own style and ideology and theology about the presence of God, We've called it many things through this degradation and through these years of it digressing. We've called it all kinds of different styles and music styles, and we've called it different kinds of worship, and we've called it different kinds of rules. We've put our lists out there a mile long. But ultimately, it comes down to this. David was hungry for what we should be hungry for tonight, and that is to get alone to get on our knees, to seek the face of God until he rained fire down upon us. When the Israelites, the disciples were told to gather the other disciples together in that upper room in Jerusalem, they were told to go there and tarry, not go there and do their own thing, not go up there and conjure up some kind of uh, deal to get the presence there. They were told to go and just wait, tarry, Get in the presence of God until you be endued with power from on high. And then the Bible tells us that then suddenly a sound of the rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were gathered. And the Bible begins to tell us about how the Holy Spirit descended. I tell you, it's right for us to remember and understand that in the presence of God, the night that I was saved, and I won't go into my testimony. You people are cruel, man. Gary actually got up at, what, where was it? Was it that conference we were at? He actually got up in front of all those people and said, now we know pastor got saved at Hare Arena. All those Indiana pastors had no idea about my testimony. That's when you know it's gone too far. Yes, I got saved, 1981, at Hare Arena. But you know what I remember most of all about the message and about the message that came out by the Holy Spirit and the way I responded and the way the Lord blessed and touched was the fact that that night I couldn't get away from the fact that from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I felt the power and the presence of God. I felt something I'd never felt before. I knew I had to respond to what was happening right there. I remember different times and services in my life when the preacher would be preaching, Liz, and you would hear such anointing coming out of you. You couldn't hardly sit there. You couldn't hardly stand it before the, the power that was coming from that pulpit as they were speaking the word. It was life to us. It was some kind of heat to us. You could sense that it was in the room thick. You could cut it with a knife. and Then you'd see the way the conviction. That night I got saved. What I remember, first of all, was how I nearly tore the seat in two in front of me. You say, why were you violent? 
I was having a problem because the wrestling match, the civil war that was going on inside of me, and I knew the presence of God was pulling against the darkness in my life that was trying to pull me down, pull me back. And I felt the presence of the Lord, and I sat there wrestling. Should I go? Should I step out? What will I do? What will my friends do? I can't. I remember saying to the Lord, I can't let go of all my friends. I can't get new friends. I, I'd have to let go of everything. I'd have to let go of what I'm doing on Friday nights now. I'd have to let go of all these things. And I wrestled, and I wrestled, and I wrestled. And the civil war that was going on inside of me was absolutely horrendous. As the Spirit of God just kept saying, come, come. And he kept wooing calling me, calling me, and my tear, the tears were dripping down my face, and I'm shaking like a leaf and about to tear that seat in two. As I stood there, no relief came to me until I stepped out. The moment I stepped out and I started walking down them steps, I tell you, I, st I started here and it ended here. And I just kept, man, I cried and I cried. And by the time I got down to the front, I was a completely changed and transformed person before I ever said my first word. Because it was about the heart and not my words. You know what I'm saying? It was about what God already knew he was doing inside of me. The presence of God will change your life. The presence of God will change your circumstance. When you get hungry for God, troubles in your marriage will vanish. When you get in the presence of God, the wars around you uh, with the family and the kids, it'll start to melt away. I'm telling you, when you get in the presence of God, I have found blessings begin to fall like rain upon my life. That's what I found to be true. It's when I'm careless and when I don't care and I get cold and indifferent that I begin to sense and feel the favor of God vanishing from me. David gathered all of Israel together. He was starving for God. He was hungry for God. Built a new cart and they turned the music high and they were dancing. It says with all their might. God, you got it all. You got everything. And it's not that God was being cruel or mean. I don't see it like that at all. I see him as being the only constant in this whole universe. The only constant. God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He had put his word out there and his heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. And God had already made it clear. They knew the word. They knew it better than anybody. It wasn't like they didn't know. They were trying to do something. They were trying to do something new. They had been away from the presence of God all right. So much so that they weren't even clear on what they already knew they needed to do when it came to that ark. They didn't go into that blind. God didn't look at them and, and just punish because they didn't know any better. How many of you know they knew better? They knew better. It's like so many of us, sometimes we, we, so we get our idea that God's going to do it our way. We get, we get an idea, even now, that God's going to go ahead and bless what we're doing. Lord, here's what we're doing for you. Get in on this. Now, we're asking you to bless what we're doing. We make up our own way. We decide our own path. We make up our own ministries. We decide to do things our way. And we struggle and we fight and we can't seem to get through 
people's, the, the ministries that, that we try to create in ourselves and in our own strength and in our own power stumble and struggle and have all kinds of trouble trying to make it and trying to make it survive. They can't seem to claw their way out of the troubles that come. I'm telling you, when God is in it, he makes a way. The Bible says he makes the crooked places straight. He turns things around. He sets you on a rock. They agreed. They wanted to be there, but here they are. Now they're bringing that ark back, and Uzzah, Uzzah is there, and he sees in his exuberance, he sees the oxen stumble and the cart get imbalanced, and he just goes to balance it. He wanted to balance the presence of God. He wanted to stabilize the presence of God. There's so much there. And in that process, he was killed. And David, in his fear, stopped everything. Didn't know what to do. He knew he, somehow he'd gotten off track. Somehow he hadn't, he hadn't remembered. He, he needed to go back and study something. He needed a little while. So for three months... He moved the ark, he took the ark and placed it. He knocked, can you imagine him knocking on the door of Obed-Edom? Can you imagine you go to the door and you open it up and there stands in front of you King David and a host of the entire armies of Israel and they're all standing there with all of their warrior outfits and they're all, they're all dressed up in, in the king's court and all those people are standing there at your door and David the king says Mr. Obadim we would like to bring you the presence the ark of the covenant of God and we would like you to keep this at your house wow I mean can you I see things like a movie and, and I'm watching this movie in my head and I'm like I'm thinking Obed-Edom is like what? Are you kidding me? I just heard about Uzzah, man. He's roast. He's he been struck by lightning. He's dead. You want me to you want me to house this thing? Where will I put it? How about right there in the center of your living room? I mean, imagine what it was like. Of course, he honored the king. And he placed that ark in his home. I guarantee you, he looked at his kids, Dave, and he said, don't touch this. Don't you touch it. Honey, don't dust it. I know your OCD will not like this. Do not dust that thing. He was a man after God's heart as well. And I'm sure he sensed the reverence. He knew the honor. And I love what that verse says there. Did you hear what it said? The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Now, do you hear that? And all that he had. You know what that meant? That meant he walked into the kitchen and they were getting ready to cook supper, and he was worried he didn't have enough meal, and he turned around, and there was three buckets of meal. He turns around. His kid has just entered adolescence. He's got acne all over the place. He looks at that kid, and suddenly his face is clear as what day he was born. He looked over at his wife, and he did a double take. He said, she is more beautiful than she has ever been before. 
It's, I mean, you know, I'm making that up. Okay, I'm making it up. But listen, it said, and all that he had was blessed. He put that suit on and, well, it fits better. Well, these shoes look better. I look younger. All that he had was blessed. What I believe that meant, and I'm being silly, but what I think that meant was everywhere he looked, he had favor. Everywhere he went, people honored him, and he found he was blessed. He was blessed in the field. He was blessed going in and going out. He was blessed when he got out in the car and went to work. He was blessed when he came home. He was blessed in his finances. He was blessed with his cattle. He was blessed everywhere he went. You get in the presence of the Lord. Let it change your life and watch how everything around you begins to be blessed, blessed, hand over fist, blessed. You'll find God at work in your life in a thousand ways. All that you have will be blessed. I'm going to say it again. You need to hear it. When you get in the presence of the Lord and you don't allow the distractions to take you to the left or to the right, you don't let this whole life start to wear you down and sway you to start compromising or laying down your standard or your conviction. If you'll absolutely stay on this firing line we used to sing about, and you'll stay hungry for the presence of God. I'm not talking about hungry for a preacher. I'm not talking about hungry for a certain ministry. I'm not talking about hungry for the things of this world, successful things, even in ministry. I'm talking about getting in a prayer closet all by yourself, and you found you find yourself in the presence of God until you are endued with power. Until his very presence touches you in such a way that you are transformed from the top of your head to the very soles of your feet. When you are transformed and all that he had was blessed. What, what was so special about this ark that his entire house received the blessing that it did? It's because it contained that very key element that if we in this church in this full gospel church, we'll just remember it. You know, somebody asked me today about, well, Pastor, you know, I, I didn't know if I was out of order. I felt led to pray for somebody in the altar. I, I texted him back something real pastoral and theological. Here's what I said. I said, if you feel led to pray for somebody, my goodness, go pray for them. We are in the presence of an almighty God. There's one ruler over our services and one magistrate over the work that goes on in this kingdom work we got here. And that is the Father, our God, the omnipotent, holy one. He's in charge. We used to put it in our bulletin years ago. We'd put the order of service there and at the bottom of it we'd say, subject to change by the Holy Spirit. That's the truth wherever we are in this house. We absolutely give ourselves 100% to the working of the Spirit. We desire it more than anything. We want it more than anything. Does that mean we always are perfect in that? No. No, not by a long shot. But Cindy Abney, let me tell you something. I am hungry for it. I'm hungry for it. I don't want to come in here and go through the motions. I don't want to come in here and go through this song and that song and a little prayer and a little scripture and go on home and try to call that that we're doing kingdom work. I'm telling you, if I'm going to do kingdom work, thy kingdom come, not mine. Thy kingdom come, not mine. I want God's work and God's will to take place in this 100-year-old church. 
If we've come a hundred years and we have got the torch in our hands, then we ought to walk now with more power than we ever have because we've got a hundred years of history standing behind us and a balcony full of heaven calling and cheering us on. We've got to be about the Father's business and realizing the hunger and desire for His presence is the only way to have church. It's the only way to live your life. It's the only way to orchestrate your steps. You ain't no good outside of the presence of the Lord. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. If you remember when the Philistine army stole the ark of God, they placed it before their god, Dagon. As they did, they laid it before him as a trophy, kind of like the what they did back with Samson way back in the day. If you read that scripture, you know the next morning they woke up and they found their God Dagon prostrate on the floor with his hands cut off and his head cut off. You see, you don't mess with the presence of God. God has come and he's given. He's a giver. And he's given to us. He's given to us wonderful, wonderful presence and wonderful gifts. And we don't, we're not supposed to care for that lightly and take it for granted. We're not to handle it carelessly. But imagine, as I looked at that and I compared it with Obed-Edom, I thought, wow. If you're an enemy of the presence of God, watch out. But if you're a friend, my goodness. Everything you have and are is blessed. How many of you want to be blessed tonight? You want to live in blessing. You want to live in that blessing. The presence of God changed Obed-Edom's home life. As I mentioned earlier, the car ran better. His wife looked more attractive. The kids started obeying and listening. It was great. We don't ever want to get to the place where we are happy to live our lives without the power of God. We don't ever want to be to the place where we're willing to have church without the power of God. How many of us speak about worship but never really experience His presence and His power? I'm telling you, I'm ready, just about ready, to call one of them solemn assemblies where we do nothing but get together and seek the presence of God until He comes. I'm thankful for our church. I, I love the presence of God that when we, we experience him here, we, we're, we don't take that for granted. I'm always amazed at the overwhelming presence of God that I feel when I'm in church. And I'm so thankful for that. But when you and I really continue to stay hungry for the presence of God, I'm telling you, it changes everything. It'll even change your priorities. I can tell when people have not been in the presence of the Lord. I, I don't judge them, but I can certainly sense and tell when people have gotten cold and indifferent. Their priorities change. You see, Obed-Edom's priorities changed for the good because there was another day, three months down the road, here he's been living in all this blessing, living in all of this favor, and about three months down the road, he got another knock at the door. He opened that door and they said, we've come for the ark. Now, we don't, we don't get a play-by-play, -play, but I would imagine 
you know, some people would assume that he'd just be like, oh, perfectly fine, come on in. No. I would imagine that once he has experienced that favor and that blessing and that presence of the Ark of the Covenant, he'd not want to part with that ever. He'd want to keep that the rest of his life, I'll tell you. And you know why, young people? Do you know why some of us older folks will tell you, man, if you'll ever tap in, if you'll ever get to the place where in an altar somewhere you have buried yourself and you have gotten a hold of that transforming fire of God, it's turned you upside down and transformed you. There were many revivals and many times as a young person, as a teenager growing up, that I would go to revivals and I'd, I'd get saved. I probably got saved 13,000 times when I was young. Every revival come through, I'd cry and I'd go in the altar. And I'd, I'd pray a good prayer and I'd turn around and I'd go right back to my living. I'd go right back to my life. No big change. There might be a change for a week, maybe two weeks. But I'd just end up going right back to the same old friends, right back to the same old activities, right back to the same old stuff. That's the reason I always talk about Hera Arena in 1981, July 2nd. You know why I go back to that time? Because that was a night when everything changed. That was a night when I went down to that altar that night. It was different. I went down there that night and God had literally confronted me with his presence and when I got in that altar it was absolutely me touching heaven and getting a hold of something I had never gotten a hold of before and it turned me upside down and transformed my I didn't I went down there wrestling with my friends Brianna I was like I can't give them up I go out on Friday nights now mom and daddy don't know it but I go out on Friday nights and and I hang out with these people and when we're we're doing new things and I was real cocky and arrogant about all the things I was into and I thought this was, you know, my friends, my life. And as I stood there wrestling with the Holy Spirit in the presence of God, Ariel, I kept saying, I, I can't give this up. I, I don't want to give this up. I, what about my friends? I don't want to give them up. And I, by the time I finally took that step and went down to the altar, gave my heart to the Lord, and the Lord blessed me, touched me, filled me with the Spirit all in the same night. I got up. I started laughing. I went back to my seat. I sat up there in the middle of that arena, and I was laughing out loud. My friend looked over at me, and she said, what in the world are you laughing at? I said, you know what? I sat up here for 30 minutes wrestling with God about all these things I couldn't give up, and right now, I could care less. I don't want none of that stuff. All I want is what, more of this. Whatever this is, that's what I want more of. And it transformed me and changed me. I didn't want to go to the same old places. I didn't want to do the same old things. I didn't want to do any of that. My life was transformed by the presence of the Lord. And my priorities changed. I didn't change them. I didn't make a big new decision. The presence of God literally transformed and changed me. And there I made new decisions. And my priorities were different but I would imagine with Obed-Edom, it wasn't so easy to let it go. As a matter of fact, I, I know. I know that it wasn't easy. I know that it wasn't easy for him. I, I think he obeyed. I don't think he rebelled. I think he allowed them to come in and take the Ark of the Covenant out of his home. I, I, I don't find anywhere in Scripture where he didn't allow that to take place. And they took the Ark back to Jerusalem. And there they left and went. But then if you begin to read more in that scripture, if you go to 1 Chronicles and you start hitting 14, 15, 16, even all the way up to chapter 26, and you start looking at verses, you find something really interesting about the ark and about David and about him building and about him coming into that, that new place where he was, was reigning there in Jerusalem with the ark of the covenant there. You find something really awesome 
several times over and over again, chapter after chapter after chapter, you see the name Obed-Edom. You know what he did? The Bible says he had, listen to this, 1 Chronicles 26 and 8, all these were of the sons of Obed-Edom, they and their sons and their brethren, able men with strength for the work, 62 of them. He had 62 in his immediate family. And you know what he did? When that ark left his house and they got on the trail and the Levites took it back to Jerusalem, the presence of God had left his home. You know what he did? He looked at his whole family of 62 and he said, come on now, pack it up. We're selling out. We're moving to Jerusalem because wherever that ark goes, wherever the presence of God goes, that's where I'm going. His priorities changed. He didn't care about where he worked anymore. David, I'm sure, looked at him and said, what are you, where are you going to work, Obed-Edom? Where are you going to live? How are you going to take care of all this family? What in the world are you going to do? I'm sure his response was something like this. I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that there better be a 60-room duplex somewhere near the temple where you're going to build and put that ark because I am going wherever the presence of the Lord is. That's where my priorities are, and I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And it shows you how his life was transformed and changed. It was awesome as David was trying to put together the praise teams and, and the instruments and, and all the things that would come together for the, the Ark of the Covenant. If you look and you read up, first of all, it comes down and in chapter 16 and verse 37, it says Obed-Edom didn't miss anything. He stood and said that he would be a gatekeeper over the tabernacle. Every time David stood up in the assembly and said, I need someone who will play the harp, Obed-Edom said, I'll play the harp. He turned around and he says, well, I need somebody else who will, who will just stand and, and, and stand by the, by, the, uh, by the ark itself and just kind of keep watch overnight. I need a guard. He said, I'll do it. It's in Scripture. He keeps volunteering. Every single time David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to, to be singers, to play instruments, to, to have a, re a voice, to, to say anything or to do anything, even down to being a guard, a temple guard, Obed-Edom. I'll do it over and over and over again. Every time you see the list of the men that volunteered to do it, no matter, there was one time he played a harp, there's one time he sang in the choir, there's one time he guarded the ark at night, and he finally worked himself up to the official Levite praise team. And every time he did that, every time David come forward looking for anybody who would be anywhere near the presence of the Lord to take care of the presence of the Lord, there was Obed-Edom. His life had been transformed and changed. Those three months changed his life in every way, changed his family, changed his priorities, changed how he would even be an influence over his family. All 62 of them went to Jerusalem. You know what that meant? That meant his sons, his daughters, his grandbabies, all of them, every one of them, they followed the influence of Obed-Edom. He had a voice over them, and wherever he went, they went, and they all moved to Jerusalem there to be in the presence of God. I'm here to challenge you tonight to just get something clear from this story. I know this is simple. It's little. It's not long. I didn't even have my normal 16 pages. I only had nine, just nine pages. 
But here's what I know about the presence of the Lord. What he's talking about here is not just something for the Old Testament in the Ark of the Covenant. Because I know in the scripture where it talks about the new presence, new and living way that he, Christ comes to us through his presence. Through the spirit of the Lord and through his comforter that came to be a helpmate to us in this earth. That presence is here now. And we have got to get a love and a romance, if you will, between us and our God and his presence. And we've got to get hungry again. For Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We've got to get to the place where our cup is in need of running over. We've got to get to the place where we can't hardly stand it because of the, the desire and the hunger we have not to be seen, not to be heard, not to be in the middle of everything, but to be somewhere broken on our knees, on our face, with our face down in the altar, looking up, trying to get a hold of that presence that changes everything. The church won't change you. Preachers won't change you. Teaching certain series won't change you. None of those things will do what the presence of God can do in just a couple of minutes. If you'll get off somewhere and get hungry for the Lord, he will absolutely turn you upside down and change everything about who you are. The presence of, the, of God changed Obed-Edom messed him up i'm sure he was living just fine until david knocked on his door and when the king knocked on his door bringing the ark of the covenant into his very home oh how many of us today some of us tonight we need the presence of god back in our home your kids need to see you pray they need to see you and your husband pray. The greatest thing you'll ever do for your children is show your, you and your wife or your husband showing a unity of the Spirit in your home. The greatest gift you'll ever give your children. If you're a single mom or a single dad, the greatest gift you can give your children is that they'll find you in the presence of the Lord. When you need answers to life and you need wisdom and you need grace and you need understanding, know this, the very presence of the Lord will be your key. It'll be your strength. It'll be your wisdom. Holy Spirit. Oh, help us, Jesus. For my presence is here. I am here among you now. I love you with an everlasting love. Now I will never give up on you. Look unto me and live. Know that it is my presence that will keep you. My presence that will guide you. I am here. Why do you hold back? Why do you linger in compromise and complacency? Look unto me now, hunger after me, thirst after me, and watch how I manifest myself in blessing over your life. Trust my word, look to my promises, and know that I am a God who will keep 
my word to a thousand generations. I am here for you, says the Lord. Will you desire me? Would you stand with me tonight? Hallelujah. I can see the face of Obed-Edom as he closes the door and the ark is now gone. He turns around and looks into that empty place in his home. And he senses and feels and perhaps worries, can I go a day, can I go a week without that presence, without that blessing? Once I've tasted of God, I can't do without it. He looked at his family and he made the hard decision. He said, come on, we're, we're selling out, we're moving, we're leaving this place. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to where the presence of the Lord is. I'm telling you that your kids need the presence of God. Your family needs the presence of God. You need the presence of the Lord. You need him. You can't live without him. I can't live without him. I can't pastor a church without him. We've got to get a hold of this truth in our lives and never allow compromise or never allow anything to detour us or to ever let us think for a second we can do it without the presence of God. In the presence of the Lord. Judy Fletcher used to sing a song. In the presence of the Lord. Troubles vanish. I don't know where you are tonight, but I can tell you I know what the answer is. Get somewhere. and Begin to seek the face of God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. We're hungry tonight, Jesus. We're hungry tonight on this Sunday night, the weekend, Lord, where the world celebrates darkness and goblins and ghouls. Lord, we celebrate the Holy Spirit and honor your presence in this house. In the presence of Jehovah. Oh, hallelujah. Would you come? I'm just going to invite you to open altar tonight. Come and seek the presence of the Lord. Seek the power of the Lord. You can make an altar there at your seat. Come forward and let's find a place to just desire after him. Troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. presence of Jehovah.
controls the winds. He controls the winds and waves. When he says peace, be still. They had to
Stand with me tonight, those that are not in the altar, those who are in the altar can continue to pray. I want to ask you in, in one, one prayer together, all of us, I want us to be, as a church, I want us to be hungry for the presence of God. Don't get me wrong, I love our church. I love the presence of the Lord that's here. But how many of you know you can never get enough? It's not enough that he was here in the morning or last Sunday. Obed-Edom wasn't going to be satisfied to have had the presence of the Lord for three months. He said what Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I'll go. The children of Israel, the presence of God would begin to move. What would they do? They'd pack up all their stuff and go. They just followed after the cloud or the fire. If it was nighttime, the fire started to move. They were like, get up, let's go. The presence is moving. Wherever the presence of the Lord. Wherever the presence of the Lord is moving you, in decisions with your family whatever the circumstance might be listen to me your responsibility is to move with the presence of the lord you needed that word tonight mm. i have no idea who i'm speaking to I know enough of what I've been raised in my whole life. I know what I feel right now. I know that I know that I know. Somebody needed that answer from the Holy Spirit tonight. You are responsible to move in the presence of the Lord. That's your answer. That's your desire. That's where it comes around for you. Move into the presence. Where, where is he leading? For some of you, that's a decision about a job. Where's the presence of the Lord leading? You already know what that's about. The ones who know, you know. Father, we honor you tonight. Would you help me? Let's pray for a collective assembly of hunger in this house to never let the presence go. Father, we come to you. Lord, we ask that you will guide and direct our steps, that you'll lead our ministries, our pastoral staff, Lord, that we will be so hungry. I pray a hunger over this house. I pray, Lord, that you will touch us to desire 
that we will hunger after you, that, Lord, we cannot function. We won't want to, Lord. We get up in the morning. We want to know where the presence of the Lord is. Lord, we don't want to go through the day on a half-empty tank. We want to get up and start the day with the presence of the Lord. We want to make sure when we lay our head on our pillow at night, we lay it in the comfort and the embrace of, of the presence of God. Lord, we want to know that we're moving in you, that we live and have our being in your presence. Touch our homes, Lord. I pray that we'll open up a prayer closet in our house. Lord, we'll open up a prayer hearth in our home for our family. Lord, there'll be times of refreshing right there in the house. As blessed as Obed-Edom was, Lord, may every home in this church have that same desire to move with the presence of God. Now I pray that tonight, God, as a church, as families, as Christians, and as you lead us all in our lives, God, may we move with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Well, I heard an old, old story. You've been watching the worship service from the Stratford Heights Church of God. On behalf of Pastor Ray, we thank you for spending your time with us. Stratford Heights is always available to hear from you. For more information, visit us online at shcog.com. If you would like to pay your tithes or gifts, you can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible from people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio. Cool.